Awesome. Praise God. Amen. What a joy it is to prepare our hearts for the coming of our King. As we celebrate that in, in, as he, in two weeks and as we now reflect back on the reality that he already has come. Amen. And that's our hope and our source of joy and our peace today. And um, my name is Dan Hammer. I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here. And, and if you are here for the first time or you've been here many, many times, your family here. And we're just so thankful for you. God's at work in a big way, and it's just super excited to see all that he's going to do, and praise him. Um, we're going to continue our my, the, the Christmas series, um, and Christmas in the Neighborhood today, from John chapter 1. So if you want to get a head start, turn with me to John chapter 1, which is where we're going to be today, looking at verses 6 through Eight. We love God's word here at Harvest. We love the work of God as we live on the mission of God. And I just want to say thank you. I want to celebrate God and all that he is doing all the time, but specifically right now for this moment. You know, we have an end of year giving challenge out there to raise $5,000 above and beyond normal tithes and offerings to go to advance the kingdom of God, to help the church that we're helping to plant down in the Dominican Republic, to, to fuel and to provide resources to invest in our neighborhoods here. And um, I want you to know a week and a half in, we're already almost halfway there. Praise God. Amen. So we've raised $2,200 for that $5,000 goal above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings by the end of the year. And so I want to really encourage you to come alongside us and jump in on all that God is doing. And so if you haven't had the opportunity to participate, and I do mean opportunity, it's not an obligation, it's an opportunity to see and to partner with the work of God, I would really strongly encourage you to reflect on all that God has done in your heart and life this year, and then to give your best gift above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings to the Lord as we finish up this year by December 31st. And just thank you for your faithful giving and, and as we continue in, in every way to accomplish the work of the Lord here. Um, quick question for you, survey, right? So we love participation here at Harvest, but when was the, who this last week recommended a restaurant, a movie, or something to someone of any time, right? We got one person. Okay, you can sort of keep your hand up sheepishly. It's okay. Um, who this past week recommended, hey, I, you need a plumber? I know a guy. Hey, you need is the work solution at work? I know someone. or I, I know where you can find something at Ace Hardware or whatnot. And make a recommendation. Leave a Yelp review, a Google review. Tell anybody about your day. How was your day? Well, this is what happened during my day. Anybody do that at any point in time this past week, right? All right, now that all of our hands are up, I want to certify the reality that all of you are witnesses. All of you have given testimony this week to reflect and to share with someone else of a personal experience that happened to you that you observed with your own eyes, heard with your own ears, and then shared with someone else. And so when we look at the text today and we see that we are called to be messengers of the gospel to our neighborhoods, we can no longer deny the reality that we aren't witnesses because you just all asserted the reality that, guess what? You are. And I am. In fact, we witness and we testify multiple, if not tens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of times every single day. So it's not just a question of, are you a witness? You are. It's what you are witnessing about and who you're willing to witness to. And last night, Ann and I had the privilege to go on a date, and we went up to Ellicott City, and we, uh, amongst a couple other things, and we, we got to see this house that was all lit up for Christmas. It's really cool. The, the lights shone literally, literally throughout the entire neighborhood, and posted a picture on Facebook. Somebody's like, man, I want to go see that. Do you like it? Do you recommend it? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? When you begin to share about what you have experienced, other people might go, I want some of that too. Or I want to experience that too. We're going to see that with John, who writes about John. 
this week. We're going to see the reality and the challenge for all of us that we are called to bear testimony about the light. And I'm not talking about Christmas lights on our house. I'm talking about Christ, who is the light, who lights up our lives and and, and just eliminates the darkness as he penetrates it with his hope and love. Because while we might testify about how our meal was to everybody, how so quickly how infrequently we're willing to testify about who our Messiah is to us, right? Now, why is that? Several reasons we'll look at later. But the reality is, as we look at it in this Christmas series, we see that the, the, the thrux of it, the key verse is John 1.14, the word became flesh and blood. It made us dwelling amongst us. And another translation says, and moved into the neighborhood. So the, the mission is the neighborhood. Last week we saw in John 1, 1 through 4, that the message of to the neighborhood is the gospel. It's Jesus Christ, that he is the word, that he is the life, that he is the light. Today we're going to see who the messenger is. We're going to see that, yes, G- Jesus Christ was absolutely the messenger of the gospel, and he's even more than that. But there was one who came before Jesus who was a messenger about the gospel, and his name is John the Baptist. And there was people that came after Jesus who are called and sent just like John the Baptist, just like Jesus Christ, who are now called to be messengers about the light and the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know who those people are? Those people are Harry, the HVAC worker, Nancy, the nurse, Miguel, the military officer, Melanie, the mom, Claire, the CEO, Carl, the car repair guy, Gary, the government worker, Tammy, the teacher. It's you and it's me, right? All of of us have been commissioned and called by Jesus Christ to go into our neighborhoods and into our workplaces and to be the messenger of the gospel, the carrier of hope, the shiner of light. It starts in our heart, goes into our heads, and then out through our hands. It's a mindset. It's a mentality. It's a heart of worship. The overflow of genuine worship in our lives is a bold witness with our life. Witness is worship, and witness flows out of worship. I want to exalt God by glorifying God, by telling you about God. And the act then in and of itself of witnessing is an act then to bring God more and more worship. The Great Commission is clear. Our roles have been revealed. The stakes are eternal. We have the ability to witness. You all validated that opportunity earlier. I am a witness, right? The question is, do you have the willingness to witness and to testify The gospel has changed us. Our God has called us. Our Savior has commissioned us and sent us to our neighborhoods and to the people around us to share the hope of the gospel to them. Jesus has transformed you and saved you, and now he's sent you. Here's the big idea from today. You'll see it on the notes and on the screen. When worshiping God is my daily purpose, witnessing about God is my daily practice. When worshiping my God is my daily purpose, and I pray that it is. Worship is not just an hour, hour and a half on a Sunday morning. It's not just when you go to small group. It's not just when you're at worship team rehearsal. It is 24-7 ascribing worth to God, exalting God. When that is my daily purpose, witnessing about God is my daily practice. It's what I do. It becomes natural with my lips and with my life. We're going to see that from the text today. Our world needs the light of the gospel. You guys have the light of the gospel. Will we share it and live as messengers of God as we reflect the light of God that is in us? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this passage. I thank you for this charge that you've given us. I thank you for the Savior that you have sent us. Father, I just pray that you would move in in our midst. 
And Holy Spirit, do what you do. God, convict us and compel us, encourage us and exhort us. Thank you for saving us, Jesus. Thank you for sending us. Father, forgive us for so often finding the excuse instead of looking for the opportunity. God, I just pray that you would just, uh, just open our ears to what you would have for us and penetrate our hearts. Shine your light where we need it in our own lives and then shine your light through us to those that need us around us in our life. God, we're so thankful for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. Again, we're just spending these several weeks looking at John 1, 1 through 18. And I want to encourage you to really be praying about who you would invite to Christmas Eve. I want you to be inviting. We have Christmas Eve invite cards on the back. God is, going, is working right now. Even if you're not going to be here, even if you're traveling, you can still invite people. And so I want to challenge you this week, and we'll talk more about that at the end of the service, to invite folks to Christmas Eve or Sunday mornings as you share your testimony. Anybody, anybody had the opportunity to invite anybody to Christmas Eve yet? Angie's like, yep, yep. Angie's probably, how many you've invited? Angie, like 30? 40? Not quite. That'll be this week. Um, Here's the word of the Lord. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Last week, we saw that the message to the neighborhood is that Jesus changes everything for us. Amen? Where there is darkness, he brings life. Where things were dead, he brings life. He is completely and completely God. We saw his divinity on full display. And he came in humanity. He didn't give up his divinity, but he, he took on humanity alongside his divinity so that he could pay for your and I's sins for all of eternity. We saw the reality that Jesus Christ is the word that he is the fulfillment of all God's promises. And today we're going to see the reality that he isn't just the word. He has given us a word so that we could go into the neighborhoods and testify about the one who paid the price for you and I on Calvary. But every message needs a messenger, doesn't it? It needs a messenger. We have been given a message. We've been given a mandate. We have been given a mission and we have even been given a mission field. The question is, are you willing to be a messenger? We're going to look at three heartbeats of gospel messenger today from this text, from these three verses, straight from them. And again, well, why do we say heartbeat? Because it starts in your heart. It starts with a vertical love for God that flows to a horizontal love for the people that are all created in the image of God, that God desperately wants, the text right here says, right, that all might believe, verse 7, God desperately wants all to believe. Now, all will not believe, but that's not our role to determine. Our role is to share and to love and to care because the great commission flows out of the great commandment. So three heartbeats of a worshiper that leads to a daily practice of witness. The first heartbeat is this. Know your role. Embrace your purpose. I pray today that you will leave knowing your role. If you don't, well, you probably haven't been listening. <laughs> the decision on, to live on a mission is heart level before it's practical. There was a man sent from God God does ascending. God defines our purpose. God sends us wherever he sends us. He was sent from God. That's our purpose. Whose name was John. 
Now, a little bit of an important clarification here. The author of this book, this gospel, is John, right? It's John the disciple, the beloved disciple. Now, the John that John is referring to is actually a different John, John the Baptist. So every time John writes about John in the gospel of John, he's John the disciple is talking about John the Baptist. You need to keep that straight, right? There's a man sent from God, and I'm looking at a people right here. Every single one of you is also sent from God, right? John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, Jesus says, so I send you. To the purpose of John, we, have to, we carry with us the same exact purpose, a distinct purpose with definitive authority. He was sent from God. God defines our authority, and if this sounds familiar, right, go to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, where Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given for me, to me, therefore go, right? He's defining the authority as he sends us out on our purpose. We have authority. Well, they, I can't proselytize at work. Well, who's your ultimate authority? How you do it, you might need to navigate, negotiate, massage, but we are called to do it. We have been given a purpose. Praise God. Some of us in in our lives are like, what is my purpose? What am I here for? God is telling us right here to love God and to live sent. We are sent from God to demonstrate the love of God. Now to fully understand God's purpose in sending John to add context that is needed to see the character of God, the God who sends us, the same God who sent John the Baptist is the same God who sent us. We, we need to find and go back a little bit of time to his birth, right? I don't know how familiar you are or not with the birth of John the Baptist, but it's an important part of the Christmas story in Luke 1. John the Baptist's parents were Zechariah and who? Elizabeth. When you go to Luke 1, you'll see the reality that they were faithful, they were devout. Zechariah was a priest. He gave his life to serving the Lord, but they were barren, they could not have kids. And Elizabeth describes that in her own words in Luke 1, 24 and 25 as a reproach. Because as it is very, 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 very difficult, not minimizing that right now, to right now not be able to have kids, right? But culturally back then, it was like they looked at you as, what is wrong with you? Why has God smitten you because you can't have kids? It was horrific then and now. But they were devout and they were faithful. And one day when, when Zechariah was doing his priestly duties, the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, came to him. In verse 12 of chapter 1 of Luke, it said, And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. I don't know who's praying for what and how long you've been praying. If you don't think God is listening, he is, right? Amen. Praise God. He hears your prayers. He hears the cry of your heart. Why this this prayer they've been praying for decades, decades, not days, not minutes, decades. I don't know what you've been praying and lamenting for decades. God hears you. He knows you. He loves you, but he has a purpose for you. And the purpose of God's purpose might not be in in our timing, but it's always in God's. And it continues, and you will call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. 
For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit of the power of Elijah, he's going to be a prophet, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Amen. What a purpose. What a calling. And you know what Zechariah's response to his purpose is? And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. One, men, we need to learn from Zechariah. He's like, I'm old. My wife is just advanced in years, right? (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) But the first response to the angel appearing and saying, here's your purpose is doubt and denial. I can't do this. How many of our first response to God is to make an excuse for why we can't be a messenger for God, to fulfill the purpose for him because we're too old or we don't understand it or we can't see it or it's been so long, God, how could you possibly use me? Are you really here? Are you really sure? God's purpose is done in God's timeline for his glory. He does not owe us an explanation, does he? But he's going to use us. He's going to work in us and he's going to work through us. And he's sending John and he's using here his parents, just like he's working in you and through you. And and as a result of this, and read more in Luke 1 if you want the full context, Zechariah has to be silent because he didn't believe. But what happens is amazing. John is born and then Zechariah, if you flip to Luke later in Luke 1, Zechariah is no longer mute. He's no longer silent, but he has the ability to speak and he prophesies about his son when he says this. In verse 76 of chapter one of Luke, and you child, here's the purpose of John the Baptist, right? And you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation of his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Isn't that amazing? And we see back in John chapter one, what did he do? He testified about the light of Jesus Christ, fulfilling this prophecy that his father had spoken over him, that you will give light to those who sit in darkness and on the shadow of death. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you're sitting in darkness. I don't know if you've been swallowed up by the shadow of death, but we are here to declare the reality that Jesus Christ is light in our darkness and that he is here to bring life out of death. That is the message of John. That is the purpose of John. And that is the purpose for you and I to declare what, has, what we have received from God, the light in the life of God. We now reflect back to others. So I don't know where you are out emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, but there is hope today. There is joy possible today because Jesus is here today. And we get to share that and testify to that. Praise God. And just like John's role was to prepare a people for the one who was to come, the Savior, our role is to point people back to the one who already has come, that very same Savior. Amen. Praise God. That's our role as his messengers today. That's our purpose as John lays out, he presents this beautiful guide for what it looks like to be a messenger of God, what it means to know our role and to embrace our purpose. John took the message of the gospel into his neighborhood. 
He stepped literally out of the wilderness and he embraced his purpose. Will you and I do that today? Embracing my purpose is a heart posture and a mindset of worship. And do you see that even the message of hope, yes, it's for those who don't believe, but when you look at the Christmas story, God uses us to be messages of hope for those who are already believing and struggling. I was really struck with this anecdote this week as I read back in John 1 and Luke 1. Part of the reason I believe that, that Mary, that Elizabeth, God waited so long. And remember, this was a good message of hope. God had been silent for 400 years, right? Before he spoke into this point. Elizabeth was advanced in age. And in that moment, God allowed her to supernaturally become pregnant. And she had a relative named whom? Mary, who was a teenager, who had also about to become supernaturally pregnant in a very different way. God blessed Mary with a relative that would understand the journey that she was on and could walk it with her and Elizabeth, right? Praise God. That while no one else would understand, Mary, I get you and let me walk with you because I understand what it's like. Praise God for his blessings of light in ways big and in ways small. And your no, what you feel like is a no from God right now, might very well be a not yet because his timing hasn't come yet. God's delay is not always God's denial in your prayers. I don't know what long-awaited prayer you have been praying, but God knows you, God sees you, God is at work. Just like in the story of John the Baptist, in the birth and the sending of John the Baptist, God knew perfectly. And God knows perfectly your heart and your needs right now. And he holds you and is upholding you and is, is molding your purpose and is caring for you every step of the way and is revealing his light. Praise God for that. Embracing our purpose means taking on and assuming kingdom responsibility. Are you willing to do that? John was. God sent John and he sends you and I. God is an intentional and purpose-filled and pursuing God who in his love sent John the Baptist to tell people about Jesus who desperately needed him and in his loving heart for your neighbors and mine has sent you and I. I don't determine the geography that God sends me, but I just say, okay, God, wherever you send me, I will go. But how many of us today are waiting for someone else to do what God has called us to do and telling our neighbors, telling our coworkers about Jesus Christ? Oh, so that person needs the Lord. Well, why do you think he put you in the cubicle next to him? Why do you think they're on your job site? Why do you think they're, your, they're one street over from you? Wouldn't somebody tell them about Jesus? Yeah. Or maybe why aren't you telling them about Jesus? Why am I? Where are you delaying to obey what God is calling you to do? We see generational and global impact for God when we embrace the purpose, our purpose from God, generational and global impact. No matter if you're young or old, God has a purpose for you. As God uses Zachariah and Elizabeth, he, he uses a young Mary. He uses you and me. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the Lord and for believers. So what does it mean to live a purpose-driven life? Here are three marks of a purpose-driven life. We see it from the life of John the Baptist. One is clarity. Clarity. I know why I'm here. 
I am sent from God. I am on a mission from God. Now, we didn't have time to put it together, but I'm like, Pastor Andrew, how cool would it be if we shot a little sermon promo video with you and I with some sunglasses on, driving around the neighborhood, we're on a mission from God, right? (laughs) Boys Brothers reference, if you haven't seen it yet. (laughs) But that's it. And the other guy goes, hit it, right? With some really cool under, yeah, music. But we're on a mission from God. There's clarity here in our calling. You're sent by God to be an ambassador for God. You're, you're an ambassador and a messenger of God who moonlights as a teacher, as a military officer, as a mom. All those things are amazing, but first and foremost, you are to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Maybe ask yourself, how is all of this helping me fulfill the Great Commission? That's one of the questions I've learned to ask in my personal life and for us as a church. A lot of great ideas out there, but how is this going to help us fulfill the Great Commission right here, right now, how God's calling us? And that begins to have the clarifying mindset that we need. What should I do with my time? Is it helping me fulfill the Great How should I spend my money? How is this helping me advance the Great Commission? What should I do with my, my skill set? How should I, and my talent? Let's fulfill the Great Commission. John the Baptist gives us a perfect example of what it means to be a messenger of God and illustration of this in John 1, 29. Here, here's clarity on the mission, right? The next day, this is, then, then he, he being John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, we sang it earlier, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold means to fix, fixate on Jesus Christ. This is he of whom I've said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I became baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, verse 32, chapter 1, John, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. With my own eyes, I have seen that he is the fulfillment of all that God told me. And I want you to look at him too, because he is the fulfillment of what you need to. That's clarity, right? Simplicity is the second mark of a purpose-driven life. Jesus above all. Jesus in all, the gospel message for it all, simple. We overcomplicate things, don't we? We often do. Give him Jesus. You don't have to have a theological dissertation on dispensationalism. Just give him Jesus. John never went to seminary. Give him Jesus. You didn't go to Bible college? Give him Jesus. You've been a believer for a minute? Give him Jesus. You've been a believer for decades? Give him Jesus, right? Stop muddying the waters. Give him Jesus, and then let the Holy Spirit lead him into everything else. And we have a role in discipleship, yes, but in terms of evangelism and this proclamation right here, give him Jesus. Simplicity. Urgency. Hell is real, and eternity is way too long to be wrong about Jesus. Jesus saves There is an urgency with which we need to live. Don't delay to tomorrow what God is calling you to do today. What is he calling you to do? 
Let's stop overcomplicating the mission and start embracing it. God wants to work in you and through you. When worshiping God is my daily purpose, witnessing about God is my daily practice. When I worship God, man, it gets very clear about the priorities in life, right? Simplicity, urgency, other things begin to fade away. And what the noise and the tyranny of the urgency of this world begin to drift away and God begins to sharpen and go, this is what I want you to do. But man, we need to start with a heart of worship that centers on God and go, God, I want to serve you above all. How do you want me to do that today? And then to listen. We are sent to be a light of hope to all those around us. And so the second heartbeat of a gospel messenger is this. Know your role. I told you you're going to know your role before you leave today. Speak the truth. Verse 7. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that he might believe through him. John's role and our role is to be a witness and to give witness. Did you know that the word witness is a key word in the gospel of John? John, uh, John the author, John the disciple, the apostle, uses it as a noun 14 times and he uses it as a verb 33 times. The phrase bear witness in the original language in the Greek is actually one word. It's a verb and it equates to our English version of to testify, to give a personal account and to testify. If you think where I'm going, you're right. It's like a courtroom. You've been called on the witness stand where you raise your right hand and say, do you solemnly swear to tell the whole truth? Nothing about the truth. So help you God. Yes, I do. And no hearsay, but a personal firsthand account of what we have seen. We can't control the circumstance, but this is what I have seen with my own eyes and experienced with my own life. That is the exact same thing of which this passage is speaking, that we are called to be a witness. This isn't saying you have to have just the most incredible set of knowledge about God, lifelong learning knowledge, or be able to teach at a seminary level. No, you are called to be a witness by telling the story of God has taken you from what was lost and now has found you at the old creation, the new creation. It's your personal story and no one can take it away from you, right? We can debate theological aspects till we're blue in the face, but no one can say, my life was changed by Jesus when I was anxious about this thing, but God gave me peace and he saved. No one can tell me that's not true because you know what? It is true. They can't refute it. They can't deny it because it's real. It's true. We need to speak the truth about what God has done for us and in us and then through us. And every single one of us has a story. A testimony in its simplest form is is a a story of transformation of when Jesus brought us out of darkness and into light because he is the light and brought life eternally or abundantly out of a place of our hearts that was dead Even if our external circumstances don't change, I now have peace, right? Even in the trial, I have a hope that wasn't there previously. I have a joy that didn't exist because my happiness no longer rises and falls on the level of my bank account or whether I did or didn't get the promotion, but it is anchored in the reality that Jesus loves me, he died for me, and now I've been forever adopted into the family of God. Amen? Praise him forever. That's a testimony and we can even testimony, testify to the goodness of God when our life is really hard. Heartache and hope can coexist. It's called lament. It's biblical. And I understand the reality that Christmas season, the holiday season is so difficult for so, so many. It's difficult for me. And we need to allow ourselves to feel the pain of the hurt of this world to realize the reality of the greatness of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And the love that penetrates even when the earthly darkness prevails and pervades. 
So I don't know what you're lamenting about today, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope in the middle of my torn down areas of my life that God's mercy never fails. It's new every morning. His love is steadfast. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness. We are st- our story is God is the author of it and he's the owner of it. We don't own the rights to our story, but man, we try. That's my story. No, it's not. It's God's. Because God is the author, he should be the subject and he is the rights owner. We are stewards of the testimony that God has given us and we are called to share it. And we will give an account one day for whether we did or did not share. It's not about us. When we go, I can't share my story, it's too, you're making it about who? You. By definition, a testimony should be all about Jesus and about God. The most powerful testimonies about God always have been and always will be a change and transform life. Because it's not about the details of the testimony, it's about the deliverer who gives us a testimony. Here are some critical components of a compelling gospel testimony. The first is this, authenticity. And take it on a couple different ways. Authentic in this, that it really did happen to you. Can I tell you, I've had some testimony stories and I've heard some people give your testimony and afterwards you find out it wasn't real. It was embellished in order to like, oh, I needed this grandiose story about how I was on the verge of death and just be real. Be authentic in how you communicate it. The power of the testimony is that no one can refute God's work in your life. There are two different kinds of testimony. There's a conversion of testimony of when God brought me out of that darkness and in that moment saved me. And then there's hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of sanctification testimonies. What do I mean by that? It's how, because the Holy Spirit continues to work on you even after the point of salvation. Praise God, right? That I am not who I used to be, nor where I might want to be, but praise God that he continues to change me. And so my, it's like, I used to be angry. And even at the point of salvation, I still wrestle with anger. But man, I'm, I'm not as angry as I used to be. Praise God. That's a story. That's a testimony of God's work in my life. So there are hundreds of thousands of them in our lives. And they are, can all be used to point to the light of Jesus Christ, who doesn't just save us, but he sanctifies us and he strengthens us. And can I tell you that one of the biggest misnomers in the church, and, and I've heard this many, many times, and I used to think this and begrudge this, and I've had to repent of this, is, man, I don't have a testimony. I grew up in the faith. I can't remember the, not being in church. I don't have that testimony that you would see on one of the God at Work videos where I was like on the verge of death and they had to revive me or I was a drug addict or strung out or I had committed a murder and I was in jail and I just lived a normal, boring life growing up in the church with godly parents. Praise God for that life, right? Can I tell you that you talk to every single one of those people that have the crazy testimonies of look at these details, they would go, I would trade everything (laughs) to have been brought up in a family that loved the Lord and taught me about Jesus. And by the way, that's what we're praying. We had a baby dedication, a child dedication not that long ago, right? What's our prayer? Would you raise these kids in a Christian home? So if we're not, if we are looking down upon that as opposed to celebrating that, we're doing wrong. Like we need to disciple all aspects of it. All of us have a story. How do I know this? Because the Bible says it over and over and over. One of the passages that says it very, very clear is, Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone, he's a new creation. The old is what? Gone, and the new has come. Whether you've been in church all your life or this is your first time in church, if you are in Christ, you had a point where you were old and it was gone. (laughs) 
And you are now here, praise God. And for some of us, that's in a moment. For some of us, it's a progression. We might not have that time in that moment where God, like uh, the apostle Paul on the road, like bam, right? And there was dramatic life change in that instant. And that's okay, praise God. He's in charge of the details. But be authentic. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. I used to be. And I have to repent of that because what I'm doing in that is I am dismissing and diminishing the work of God in my life. I'm denying God glory in my life because I'm going, I don't have a, t- what I'm saying is God really didn't do a big transformational work in my life. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. And we have to be willing to see that. And we, we need to give God the glory in that. Praise God for that. There's no such thing as a boring testimony. They're all amazing. They are all grave robbing. They are all stories of resurrection. Praise God for those stories. And so my question for you is, when was that moment for you? Or when do you at least remember, I'm no longer living, I don't want to live for myself anymore. It's a heart of worship, right? I want to live for God. Sanctification testimonies, even if you gave your life to the Lord at a young age, some of the darkest, probably most of the darkest moments of your life were ahead of you, aren't they? We all have darkness. I've had many, many moments of darkness since I gave my life to the Lord at a young age. But those are the points in my test. I was this, but God changed me out of it. Pointing people to the light means reflecting on those moments of darkness where we experience God breaking through for us. For me, some examples of this personally might be like, I was engulfed in grief throughout the loss of our baby, and I was baby in 2009, but I experienced God's goodness and his grace along the way. Or I was paralyzed by fear in the, in the presence of um, uncertainty about my future and listening to voices around me that I should not have listened to and didn't and was hesitant to obey what God was calling us to. But God broke through the darkness. Or even right now, I'm scared and in many ways overwhelmed by how to process the reality of my dad's debilitating disease, but God continues to give strength when I feel overwhelmed and just enough for each day. Praise God for that. There's no shame in being weak or needing help, is there? In fact, that's the definition of, of, of of salvation, is admitting the reality that we are weak and need help and we can't save ourselves. So here's a, here's a form of a testimony. You'll see it on your notes at the bottom there. Is I was blank, but God, and now. I was an old creation, but God, I am now a new creation. And whether that's a conversion testimony or whether that's a sanctification testimony, they all give God glory. So I want to challenge you, and then we'll give a little bit of time at the end to write your story in there today. And then I want to challenge you to share it with someone this week. Because we all just admitted the reality that we have borne witness this past week to hundreds of things. So why can't we bear witness about the most important thing this week? That's worship. You want examples of, of what a testimony looks like? Read Paul's. Philippians 3, 1 through 11, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26. Where Paul's like, I was this, but God, and now. We need to be vulnerable, and we need to be vertical. It's all about God. Second aspect of a compelling testimony is relatability. It's personal. It's vulnerable. It's connecting with the other person's situation. Like I said, we all have hundreds of thousands, if we really spent, hundreds if not thousands, if we really spent time to think about it, of sanctification testimonies, right? I was this in this scenario, but God. And so if I'm talking to a person who is struck with grief, 
I will share one aspect of my testimony. If I'm talking to a person who is going through a really difficult marital struggle, I will share another aspect of my testimony initially. You get where I'm going with this? I want to relate to how God has worked in my life, and I need to be willing to go first with, how, with the presence, context, and situation of how God is doing this. And if I don't, can't totally relate, maybe I might go, here's part of my story, but you know who you should talk to? So-and-so a person because they've walked this road, exactly. Because that's, read the book of 2 Corinthians. God allows us to go through hard things so that we can experience the hope of the gospel so that we can help others who are going through the exact same thing, amen? Praise God, that's the Christian life that we don't walk, that no one walks alone. It's a relatability, relating the work of God to the current context of the situation. And the, the reality, it's a humble, it's a verticality that I'm not a finished product yet and none of us are, right? We are, we're filming these amazing Christmas, a video for Christmas Eve. I really want to encourage you to come. It's going to be awesome. And several testimonies about how God is working in our congregation right now. And one of the people doing them, I, it was so awesome that this person said this. And, and it was really important. Said like, I want to say this, but I want to make sure it's really known to people that I haven't mastered this yet. Yes, I was struggling with this, but God, it's still an ongoing struggle in my life. It's still, a, I have to daily fight this. Praise God, right? Anybody else in that boat with something? Yeah, it's real. It's vulnerability, it's relatability that I haven't just conquered my anger issue. I haven't just conquered my pride issue or whatever, fill in the blank, that it's still an ongoing daily thorn in the flesh, like Paul described, struggle, which should lead me in more to reliance and dependency on God. Praise God for that. Be vulnerable, be relatable. Be Christ-exalting and Christ-centered. Read this text in verse seven, right? John's testimony was all about who? He gave test, he bore witness about the light. The subject is Jesus of the testimony of John. It is Christ-centered. It is Christ-exalting. It's not just like all about me. That's why we, I think, sometimes hesitate to our testimonies because we're like a little bit of like, I don't know, I'm going to share more about my details. I'm going to share more about this or that. Like, no, it needs to be about Jesus. He needs to be the subject matter of it all. Are you willing to make your testimony about Jesus? Every Christ-centered testimony is compelling, and you can't help but not see it. Last night when Ann and I were at these lights, man, it was on a street. It's, I, I, you could probably see it from the North Pole. I, like, it's huge. It's vibrant. It's like all the, you know what, the comment we made, and it wasn't directly in relation to this passage, but it hit me this morning as I was preparing, was like, the neighbors of that house that was all lit up, guess what? They didn't have a choice. They were going to see the light from that house. Like, they had no choice. Like, they were going to see it whether they wanted it or not. And in the same way in the neighborhood, shouldn't they see our light for Jesus Christ whether they want it or not? It doesn't mean, like, our, our decision for their conversion is not on us. Our job is to sow the seed, to be the light. Not in an overbearing way or an overpowering way, but in a humble way, a loving way. Fourthly, it's conviction. Fourth component of a compelling testimony is Conviction. The word, the Greek word for bear witness, bear witness here is one word, it's a verb, it's martyrial. And it sound familiar with a Christ, uh, an English word in there? Martyr, martyr, martyr. It's where we get our word martyr. They were, John was willing to share the testimony with such a conviction, he was willing to lay down his life for it. We need to have conviction. We talk about here at Harvest, and I hope if you're newer to Harvest, I hope you come to step one, and I hope you, you stay and get a little bit more information about what we're all about. This is one of the things we're all about. Unashamed adoration, which leads to unafraid witness. Unafraid. We're going to share the gospel boldly. 
That's what martyrio means. That's why this give testimony with conviction. Again, we're not going to beat you over the head with it. We're going to go, I'm willing to lay my life down and to risk my life. I'm willing to risk my reputation to share this because I believe that it is the one thing that you need and will change everything for you. So often we use excuses for I don't know enough. Maybe I'm just, I don't care enough. Maybe I'm a little bit worried about what it will do for my reputation. Friends, we need to be caring enough to share the hope of the gospel. And again, you don't have to have a deep theological knowledge. I hope you grow in it. But you just need to know that I have a Jesus who saved me. It's like the casting crown song, right? I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about all about a somebody who saved my soul. That's what we're trying to do. Fifth, hope giving. Testifying about the light gives other people hope in their times of darkness. We need some hope in our lives, don't we? Other people need hope in their life too, and we have it. That's why I love Advent, the light. We have the hope. Give them hope. Give them Jesus. Don't give them false promises. Doesn't mean that the illness is naturally going to definitely go away. Doesn't mean the financial trouble is going to be solved by next week. Doesn't mean that there's some, uh, you're absolutely going to get married next week. You're going to meet Prince Charming at the Christmas party and whatever, whatever, whatever. Give him Jesus. And let, and, and just in the, in it all, give him Jesus. Love him like Jesus. Accept him where they're at. Love him where they're at. Give him Jesus. When worshiping God is my daily purpose, witnessing about God is my daily practice. Share and show the love of Jesus. Praise God for that. Third and final heartbeat of a gospel messenger is this. Know your role. It's not about you. It's not about you. John in verse 8. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. How many of us would be like, I want to be the light. I want to be the QB. I want to be in the press clippings. I want to get in the box score. I want this. And John's like, I'm okay not being the light. Part of being a messenger has to recognize the reality. There's one savior and it's not you or it's not me. It's Jesus Christ. We need to stop trying to save everybody because you and I can save nobody, but he can save everybody. So in humility, we need to recognize that reality and get over ourselves as we elevate Jesus. Again, that's worship, right? Worship by definition is the elevation of Jesus. It's ascribing worth. Jesus is above me. So I'm going to lower myself. John himself, John the Baptist says that in John 3.30. He, John the Baptist says, he must increase, but I must decrease. How many of us, whether we admit it or not, actually live our lives going, I must increase. And in that way, we're actually making Jesus decrease because we want people to see us. We want to have the convincing testimony in, in terms of we want to be the one to have the conversation. Who knows? We are called to sow the seeds. Jesus is called to save. And when you sow seeds, what does that mean? Some fall on hard soil, some fall on soft soil, some fall on rocky soil. And if you study farming, guess what happens in farming? There are seasons for everything, aren't there? There's a season to sow, a season to plant, a season to water, a season to harvest. God's the one that makes it grow. Our job is to keep sowing and find the soft hearts along the way. Okay, it's rocky soil. I didn't realize that. I'm going to move on. Jesus teaches us to do that. But don't not sow the seed, right? Some of us will go assume ahead of time that's rocky soil. I'm not going to waste my time. You never know, do you? 
You never know when that is the moment that God had been preparing that really rude coworker for because he had a fight with his wife last night. She stormed out and he's broken on the inside and he needs the hope of Jesus right here, right now. And God has sent you into the workplace that day, not to be an engineer, but to be a messenger of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You never know. So we need to sow. We need to be faithful. We need to testify about the light. God has given us a calling to be pursuing, are you? Pursuing being a messenger. God does the saving, we do the sharing. I believe that the prominent reality for why we aren't fulfilling our calling to be the messenger is our pride. We just think too high of ourselves or we think too low of other people. They're not worth my time. Yes, they are. God could never use me. Yes, he could. Are you making your life all about you today? Are you willing to share everything you have to see other people experience the light of Jesus Christ? Here are some questions to reflect on this week about whether you're making life about you or about Jesus. Is your life about yourself or is it about your Savior? Who's at the center? Am I more focused on my own reputation than Jesus than Christ's exaltation? Where in your life are you right now? In the neighborhood, in the workplace, in the school system, am I more worried about my own reputation? They might think less of me. They might not like me. I might not be popular anymore than Christ's exaltation. Am I doubting God instead of declaring God? God could never work there. Yes, he could. But guess what? The early church, they would have never saw it. And even after God saved Saul, then Paul, right? They doubted it initially. No way that guy could come to know the Lord. But God stopped Saul slash Paul in his tracks. And he could do it again. Are you doubting yourself? I, I can't be used by God. Yes, you can. God used a teenager to bear his son, Jesus Christ, he can use you. It's a condition of your heart. Mary, you know, Mary said, let it be unto me, Lord, as whatever you want. It's a heart of worship, an open heart, a soft heart, a worship-filled heart that God uses. What is your heart at right now? And why is it not soft if it's not? Am I playing God instead of proclaiming God. What I mean by that is, am I predetermining that that person will or not, will not be saved? Or am I fulfilling the role that God has sent me to, to share the hope of God? Let's proclaim God. Am I busy? Am I primarily building my kingdom or God's kingdom? What I mean by that? Well, maybe you're hoarding your resources. Or maybe you're spending all your time building your corporation and none of your time building God's church. Advancing your own career as opposed to sharing Christ. Work for the glory of God in your vocation, but don't do it in the absence of God. And never forget that you're primarily on a mission from God. Am I hoarding my resources instead of my investing my resources? Where is God asking you to invest your money? Where is he asking you to invest your heart, your time? 
soft heart, God will use you again. Fulfilling the mission as a gospel messenger. This Christmas season and this, uh, this series, I pray that it's not just seasonal, but it's cultural. It becomes who we are as a church, not just because it's Christmas, but because God has called us to be every season. Be interceding. Elizabeth and Zechariah were interceding and God used them in a huge way. Who are you praying for? Your neighbors, your neighborhood? Be intentional. Be intentional about reaching out to those that are around you with the gospel message. That means be proactive and reactive. Be ready. Prepare your heart right now for the gospel opportunities that you don't see coming. Pivot in gospel in conversations to bring it back to Jesus and how Jesus has worked in your heart and life this week. Be intentional about inserting Jesus, the hope of the gospel. Be interested. Genuinely care about all those who are around you. Care about them. Care about their lives, their families, their hearts. Ask them how they're doing, how the surgery went. Follow up with them about this or that. Genuinely care like Jesus did. Be inconvenienced. Be willing to have your time taken away from you because by the way, it's not your time, is it? A gospel messenger realizes that everything that they have is God's. Time, talent, money, everything is God's. And I struggle with this one, by the way. I had to repent of that this week. Ann called me in the middle of the week. It was a parenting issue at home. We don't have perfect kids. We're not perfect parents. But my flesh was like, I don't have time to deal with this right now, right? And I had to repent of that because my attitude was not Christ-like. And Ann's like, you know, God called you to be a parent, right? I'm like, yes, but I don't want to. That's not the point. He called you to it. So do it. <laughs> like, that's what the Holy Spirit told me. And I... I, I fell short of that this week. I need to repent. Be invested. Go all in. Pray, go give. Everything you have is God's. The gospel changes everything. Paul spells out the gospel in Romans 10, 9, and then he, he spells out our response, and he says this is a response that when you hear the gospel, if you want to know what salvation is, if you, if you believe, you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Praise God for that. Amen. So we receive the light. And here's what we were then called to do. Paul says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that awesome? How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, which is proclaiming? You're all preachers, by the way. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray, I pray that we are a church full of beautiful feet. Beautiful feet are not manicured feet. Beautiful feet are smelly feet. They're stinky feet. They're soiled feet because they go into the mess of the world with the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not concerned with the conditions of where they are walking because they care about the hearts to whom they are talking. I know of somebody who can change everything for everybody. Praise God, amen. So where is God calling you and where is he sending you? We're going to continue. We're just going to have about a minute of response time right now. In this, I want you to pull out your bulletin if you don't have it. On the bottom there, you see the I was, but God, and now. And then it says my person. I want you to spend some time with the Lord right now in the next 60 seconds or so. And if it's not enough time for you, I know everybody's wired differently. I want to challenge you to do this this week. I want you to write out either your conversion testimony or one of your hundreds of thousands of sanctification testimonies. <laughs> I tell you this, somebody said this before, and I think it's true. 
If God hasn't changed you, he really hasn't saved you. But I was, and write it in, and now, blank. And then who's your person? Who is God putting on your heart and calling you to share that testimony with between now and next Sunday? You can practice with your small group. But who is a non-believer in your life? At work, at home, on the college campus, family member? that God has put on your heart and ask him to put somebody on your heart and write their name in that list. And maybe it's, you don't have that right now, but maybe it will come to you this week. If you can share with your small group for a level of accountability, who is God asking you to share his testimony about how he's worked in your life this week? So would you just take these next 60 seconds or so and really ask the Lord to put some a name on your heart and write that name down. Write your story down. I was, but God, and now, this is the thing that comes to your heart and mind. And we'll close in prayer in a minute. As we praise God for what he's done in our hearts, we can't often help proclaim God to others. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or if you just find yourself in the shadow of darkness or death, we'd love to pray with you after the service. We'd love to process with you, whether you're a believer already or not. We'd love to just walk with you and process with you. And maybe, maybe just maybe you haven't had that moment where you've put your faith in him, but man, I bet you God's changed your life in a way. And if, as you stop to reflect on it, as you think about it, you'll begin to see it and hopefully want more of it. Father, we just thank you for who you are. God, you're a good God, and because you are good, we go. God, you're a great God, and because you are great, we share. God, you are a great God, and because you are a great God, we can't help but reflect to the light of your son, Jesus Christ, that we have been the blessed, blessed recipients of already. Father, I pray that we would not just know our role, but we would embrace our role. To embrace the purpose that you've given us as you have sent us as your messengers, that we would share the truth of what you have done in our lives. God, thank you for the story that you've written in my life and in the hearts of so many listening online and in this room right now. If you've taken us from where we were, and through your son, Jesus Christ, have brought us to a new life, a new place. We might not be where we fully want to be yet, but praise God, we aren't where we once were. And we get to spend life eternally with you. And God, help us to know our role, to realize with humility that it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. All about you, Jesus. We love you and we worship you and we adore you and we want to share you out of a heart of worship and because others need to know and want to know about you, God. God, thank you for the reality that you do the saving. God, give us the courage to do the sharing. You have done the sending and help us to do the going. God, we've received you and now may we reflect you. God, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.